0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online at packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I tried bumping the volume a little bit. I know it seemed like we were past this, but I asked you guys, not on the podcast, by the way, but on Twitter and Facebook, I sent out a survey. And if I remember, I'm going to put a link in the description if you'd like to take part. It's greatly appreciated. But uh, I did comb through a lot of the negative comments, and there were very a lot of uh, noise-related comments. And it seemed like the two biggest complaints were related. Sometimes the podcast volume is too low. Sometimes, well not sometimes, always, the uh, ads are too loud. So, kind of a easy fix there. I mean, not really, but I'll, I'll try. The problem is... The difference between me talking just kind of like this, which is just normal talking, which is very low and I would probably need to, I mean, I can see the sound waves. It's like I really need to crank the volume up. But then I start yelling when I get excited about stuff and it's just clipping all over the place. Like if I just raise my voice a little bit, it's already like to the top. So it's, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I'm doing, man. I'm just making this up. Just trying to make sure you can hear my voice and it's not blasting into your ear holes. It's the best I can do for you. But anyways, thank you very much to all those that participated in that. But anyways, on the docket today, and I have a hunch that this is going to be a short episode um, because I want to take a break from the series to try to break up the monotony of it, talk about a little bit of the news and notes. The problem is there's not a whole lot of news and notes going on. So we'll run through what's been going on, and uh, we'll just call it when it's time to call it. As per the usual... I actually just received a big box full of merchandise, and it was the greatest box I've ever opened in my life. Mrs. Courtney sent me a beautiful box filled with T-shirts, a long-sleeve shirt, and a hoodie that is all Packernat apparel. I am beyond jacked. If you'd like to get in on some of this action, and again, for the billionth time, I am the most picky person in the world when it comes to, like, shirts and comfort. Refuse to go to the store and buy a shirt brand new and wear it i just i have to wash it 75,000 times not these shirts incredible quality i'm not even messing around also i don't know what kind of cut these shirts are but as out of shape as i am i look way more jack than i'm supposed to <laughs> i actually look like i work out once in a while which is false I'm not trying to false advertise i'm just saying usually shirts just kind of hang there and this one's all like check out my shoulders and it's like yeah dude have I been working out? I don't know. Maybe I did once that one time. I don't know. But these are some sweet t-shirts, and I'm very, very glad that I got involved with the uh, the family that I did. Once again, if there's any sort of customization, um, because this isn't just me slapping a logo on Teespring and you just buy it and get whatever I send you, uh, this is actually a, a listener and his wife who are involved in creating these t-shirts one at a time, custom t-shirts. If there's anything you'd like added or subtracted from it, Um, Just message me or get in the Facebook group, however you want to do it. If you want to add, subtract this, that, or the other, um, we can make that work. So again, I cannot express how excited I am, if only just because I get a t-shirt out of it. Super jacked. Um, Otherwise, plenty of links in there for supporting the podcast if you so choose, a five-star iTunes review. And by the way, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get started on the next challenge because I'm tired of waiting and I want to make sure that we get this out there. I don't know how long it's going to take to 200, but I figured out what we're going to do. If we get to 300 iTunes reviews, which maybe at this point it's just impossible, I don't know. It shouldn't be, because there's a lot of listeners out there. But here's the giveaway. If before week one, and I'm talking about if we get there before kickoff, I'm going to check, like when the ball's kicked, I'm just going to hit refresh and see what happens. If there happens to be 300 reviews, I'm going to be giving away a Game Pass subscription. So that you can watch, I mean, if you don't know what Game Pass is, go check it out. You can re-watch all the Packers games going back several years. You got the coaches' camps, so you get the all-22, all that kind of stuff. It's beautiful, and I, I also realize some people aren't PFF people, so I feel like Game Pass is something every single Packer fan is going to want. So we're going to start these, and they're going to be simultaneous. There's going to be the PFF giveaway, and then there's going to be the Game Pass giveaway at 300 reviews. Maybe I won't even do the cutoff. Maybe we'll just say when we get to three hundred, I'll do Game Pass. Let's let's just do that. There's not there's not a cutoff. There's more than enough support from Patreon to be able to give back in that way. So let's just do that. So if you're if you're fired up about it, let's 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 make it happen. Um, otherwise, Facebook group NFL Big Board. Uh, there's a link to PFF and uh, the phone number to text and call is 608-501-0718. 608-501-0718. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll start talking about a little bit of news and notesies. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Wow, that's crazy offer. Ten percent off a four hundred dollar slab pack. That's forty bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for ten percent off your first purchase. So obviously we gotta to touch on the new additions to the Green Bay Packers squad. The Packers have added Chandon Sullivan, who was released by the Eagles, Darius Shepard, who was uh undrafted out of North Dakota State, and then Jarwill or excuse me, Jawell Davis. Uh, wide receiver from the Giants. Let's start with Juwelle Davis because I uh, I think there's the most excitement. I don't know if that's the right word. The most buzz around Jawel Davis because everybody's got this figured out. Juwelle Davis is the man. He's going to come in here. He's going to be the kick returner slash punt returner. He's going to be the return guy, and there seems to be a fair bit of excitement. Hey, there's been a big question about who the big return guy is going to be. Now we got our guy, right? Um, here's my question. (laughs) If, if we're going to go out and get a guy, that's just going to be a kick and punt returner. Um, I thought we already had that guy and didn't want him because he's just a kick and punt returner. Am I missing something here? So, We don't like Trevor Davis because he's not a good enough wide receiver. He's just a kick-and-punt returner, and we don't want a guy that's just going to be a kick-and-punt returner. So we need to get rid of him, and we're all excited because we found a guy that can replace him who happens to be just a kick-and-punt returner who isn't as good as Trevor Davis as kick-and-punt returning, you know, goes. But he's also not going to contribute as a wide receiver. Am I caught up on this? Because I... I just, I don't understand this. I don't mind competition, but understand we're talking about, we we, we got to define our terms here. Are we saying that we're okay with a guy that's just going to be a special teamer? Which, by the way, we drafted a guy in the seventh round that we're okay with being basically just a special te- Some people seem to think that. I don't know. Maybe you think he's going to be a starting linebacker. Hopefully he is. But but for the most part, it's like, okay, cool, we got a, a contributor on special teams. I, I, I don't know, man, and I kind of already talked about the importance of special teams when I said Jair maybe you could do the job. I think you could apply that same logic to, to the idea that maybe we assign a roster spot to a guy that can handle kick and punt return responsibilities, but I, I, I guess I just don't understand it, and I'd like to hear from you if you'd like to hit me up on Twitter or Facebook or whatever and just let me know your thoughts on special teams returners. But I, I just feel like I'm getting conflicting messages. And I'm, I am i don't like when people say, you know, the same people who say this say that. No, it's not the same people, genius. There's a whole lot of people on Twitter. Some people say this and some people say that. I'm just kind of curious what the consensus might be about special teams, though, because I'm a little confused about what I'm hearing. On one hand, we got to get rid of Trevor Davis because he's just not a good enough wide receiver. Okay, so we need somebody that can do double duty. Who's going to do double duty? How about Jair? No, 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 he's too valuable. So... <laughs> <laughs> there is a very thin line of what people will accept. You you have to be able to be very good as a special teamer. You also have to be good enough to be a starting player, but not too good that if you get hurt, it's it's a bad thing. So we have to not care about you but care about you. I I just feel like there's not a there the, that person doesn't exist. That's a very very limited amount of people that are you know, we really like you as a wide receiver, but not so much that if we lost you, we would even care at all. <laughs> I mean, who, who is that guy? Who's, who's the guy? Are we talking about like a Kumaro? But I, I think that's emotional nonsense anyways, because Kumaro hasn't really shown anything yet. He's, he's a preseason stud. Who's the guy? What, what Give me an example, because there's probably an example somewhere, but I just can't think of it. Who is the guy that was a great special teamer, that was also good enough to keep on the roster because he's valuable in other areas on offense or defense, but not valuable enough that we care if you get hurt on special teams. Because Randall Cobb got pulled because he was too valuable. Jair can't go on there because he's too valuable. Trevor Davis needs to go because he's not valuable enough. And special teams doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm just confused. Either way, all respect to Ja'Will Davis... If we're going to get to Davis, I think what we're saying as a statement is that special teams is, is an important enough position or, or an impo- important enough uh, phase of the game that we can assign certain people to just be special teams outside of specialists like long snapper and kicker punter. We can also add a fourth position, which is returner, or you know possibly gunner as well, right? Because let's face it, a lot of these guys are never going to make it as full-time starters they're there in case things get out of control terrible but you generally don't want them to make the active roster but if we're going to bring Juwill on the way I see it is that the position is valuable enough that we want a return man and Jawell Davis is basically just competition for Trevor Davis, and that's fine. I love competition. Bring in as much competition as possible, especially now that we got all new coaches. Let's just hammer this thing out and find out who the best man is, and let's just go win it. But I just want an answer. What it, what are we doing? And I'm not I'm not talking to the Packers. They know what they're doing. the The coaches, the GM, they know. I'm just curious for us as Packer fans. What What do we want? I I don't mind Trevor Davis staying on the team as much as people hate that. I feel like I'm alone on, on an island with that. But if we're not going to put Jair out there, fine, then give me Trevor Davis. I just don't want somebody who can't do anything to be taking kick and punt returns, especially punt return. Again, kick returns, they're mostly getting kicked out of the end zone. But punt return, there's a good amount of potential there, right? If if your defense is able to get a guy to punt out of his own end zone, and somebody can take the ball at the 40-yard line, and the question is, what can he do with it? I want a guy that can do a lot with it. And it doesn't just have to be, okay, once a year, twice a year, he can get into the end zone. That's super exciting. But, I mean, I'm just talking about the difference between he's averaging, you know, 10 yards per return compared to 4 yards per return. That makes a difference. Starting in somebody's territory, uh, you know, the, the opposing team's territory on average as opposed to just basically calling fair catch whenever. So, I basically, here's my thought. The Packers are bringing in Jewel Davis to be competition for Trevor Davis because they feel like they want a guy that can handle that kind of responsibility and this is just competition. Unless they think Jewel Davis can be a legitimate wide receiver, but I doubt it. If they thought they needed a wide receiver, they would have drafted one, and they didn't. They like their wide receivers, and the thought that Jewel Davis is going to compete with Equinemius St. Brown and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, pretty unlikely. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they think that he can be, you know, he can beat out Kumaro and the guys on the bottom of the roster be a better wide receiver and a returner. But my thought is this is competition to compete with a specialist no different than the Packers bringing in Sam Ficken at kicker to compete with Mason Crosby. We're not bringing Sam Ficken in to be a linebacker. No, he's coming in to compete with the already established um guy that we've got. But again, as fans, we got to pick a lane if he's going to be the new return guy, you got to at least explain why Trevor Davis isn't the guy. And and, and by the way, the, the one thing that came to my mind is maybe age. And it's absolutely true that the new guy, Will Davis, is only 24 years old. So maybe that's the thing. Here's the deal. Trevor Davis is 25. I mean, he's turning 26 this year, but he's only 25 years old. He's a young guy. So I, I just really don't buy it, man. Trevor Davis... I know he's not the most liked guy, and and I I really think it's it was unfair expectations. Trevor Davis ran a four four two. Everybody thought, oh, he's going to be the fastest, speediest guy in the world. He's just going to just dis- dominate everybody. I don't mind Trevor Davis as as the number five or six wide receiver and a very quality. We're talking twenty seventeen, the number one uh, return man in the NFL. I don't mind having a guy like that on the roster. So I, I guess what I'm saying from my standpoint is that Jawill Davis just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Because if we're not going to keep a guy that's just a return man, he has to be a wide receiver, then Jawill Davis isn't going to be the guy. If we want a guy that's going to be a return man that can be your number five or six wide receiver, Trevor Davis is my guy. Jawill Davis just doesn't factor into this team for me. And again, competition is awesome. I know Trevor Davis had issues with drops. Maybe Jawill's is going to be a freak on, on you know special teams and all that. But I think he's just a body that's going to come in and be able to compete. And that's awesome. Just, again, it doesn't do it for me. But let me look at a couple numbers from PFF just to give you an idea of, of the, uh, the new addition to the team. I don't mean to be you know super down on the guy. Wish him the best of luck. And, and by all means, if he's better than Trevor Davis at what Trevor Davis does, please take that job. I'm just trying to define the terms a little bit, because I found that a little weird that everybody's excited about a guy that's just going to be a kick returner, because it's like, wait, never mind. I I already explained it. Just thought it was funny. First of all, as a wide receiver overall in 2018, and he only played uh, one season, and he played five total games for a grand total of eight targets. Week four, he had zero targets. Week five, three targets, two receptions, 27 yards. Uh, week 6, two targets, no receptions. Week 14, one target, no receptions. Week 15, two targets, two receptions. Grand total, eight targets, four receptions. 50% reception uh, percentage. Keep in mind, this is the Giants. I don't exactly know how many were his fault and how many were the quarterback's fault. But on those eight targets and four receptions, he had 40 total yard. His PFF grade was a 61.9, so almost dead average. Um, his drop grade was actually really high. So I tend to think that these non-receptions were, you know, maybe throwaways that were over his head or in his general area, but just not exactly his fault. That's my thought, just because, again, his drop grade was higher than his receiver grade, receiving grade, whatever. Well, let me be specific here, because there's more in-depth stats on the guy. Uh, Yards per reception, pretty easy math, 10 yards per reception. Yards after the catch, only four. Usually means there's not a lot of separation there. One yard per reception. His longest reception was 22 yards. The one interesting thing, and this just automatically makes me think of Geronimo Allison, of his four receptions, three of them were first downs. <laughs> that's, that's got Geronimo written all over it. Uh, zero drops, zero interceptions, zero fumbles, passer rating of 64.6. So, I mean, we, we can play the game where it's like, yeah, but with Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be way better if we want to. 2018 free agent guy, there isn't much to expect. And this is kind of my point. He's not going to come in and be a freakish wide receiver. He's a guy that's going to try to win as a special teamer as, and as the number 5, 6, whatever wide receiver on the depth chart. He's trying to take Trevor Davis's job, which is the job that Packer fans want to just go away. So presumably, several Packer fans, a plurality in my opinion, don't want Trevor Davis or Jewel Davis on the team. They would like to have quality starters and then let the best available do special teams. Seemingly, that's what it seems like. And again, if that's not your contention, and you would actually like to have a special teamer as a returner, I have to think you want Trevor Davis. And I know there's been some issues, again, especially with drops, but I I just, I don't know. But anyways, let's look at uh, a side-by-side comparison between Trevor Davis and Jewel Davis as returners. So as a kick returner, Jewel Davis has actually done quite well. Now, it's a small sample size. He only did this three times. Remember, it's only been one year. He was on special teams, I believe, what was it, seven games. Three of those games, he was a kick returner, and then the final four games. So four, five, and six, he was a kick returner. 13, 14, 15, 16, he was the punt returner. Now, this is where, and, I, and I, again, listen, this is about bringing him in to compete as a returner because he showed flashes of being pretty awesome. And I'm all for it, man. If he can be an awesome kick returner or punt returner, let's bring him in. But again, let's just call it what it is. So in week four against the New Orleans Saints, he had three returns. On those three returns, he had 60 yards. His longest was 24 yards, an average of 20 yards per attempt. Now, here's kind of the thing. Considering a touchback, so I I guess there's kind of two, two ways to look at this. On one hand, you want a guy that's going to get 25 or more yards per return. Otherwise, what's the point? Because then you would just say, you just take a touchback all the time. Please don't ever take it out of the end zone. What's the point? We can get more uh, with you just taking a touchback. The other way to look at it, though, is what if they kick it to the one-yard line? At that point, you're looking at who can give me the most, right? If, they, if they're saying you have, and this is what's going to happen if you just go with plan A, which is just take it. Take a knee every time, they're, and just put garbage out there. And we, we won't assign a name to that garbage. We'll just leave it hang out there and call it garbage. But if you assign somebody that's no good, they're just going to kick it to the one yard line, knowing that he's only going to make it 10 yards down the field. At that point, you want to. So, so, I mean, it's really kind of tough. And I'm, it's, it's t- twisting my brain in a knot right now. Because <laughs> if you get somebody that's good, they're just going to kick it into the end of the end zone. If you get somebody that's not good, they're going to kick it to the one yard line. So how much do you want to invest in this? If you get the best of the best of the best and you invest a lot in it, you pay the guy a ton of money, he's never going to get an opportunity. So it was a waste of money. If you invest nothing in it, then they're going to kick it to the, you know, within the five-yard line to make sure that you return it. And you're going to wish that you had invested in the position. So it's a lose-lose proposition. And that's where I come out to say that punt returner is much more valuable because the the kicking team doesn't really have the luxury I mean granted you get a guy that's got a super big leg and you tell him just kick it into the end zone every single time if you have that opportunity and if he can kick it 60 yards there's only a pretty limited amount of space in which he can't kick it that far but still you're going to get a lot more opportunities with punt returners so I think that value is a lot higher for a punt returner but I don't know anyways to round this out His other two games, two returns, 53 yards, 26.5 average, so that is above the 25 marker. And then against Philadelphia, two returns, 58 yards. His longest was 32, an average of 29.0 yards. His overall average is 24.4, which, again, you look at that and you say, okay, so, I mean, I guess he's good enough because if they kick it to the one and you run 24.4 yards, you're at about the 25-yard line on average. So, I mean, that's fine. It's not great, but it's what you need. But you're also never going to tell him to take it out of the end zone because if if they kick it into the middle of the end zone, you run 24 yards, you're going to get to the 23-yard line. What a waste of time. Just take a knee and we get an extra two yards out of this. So again, we get back to the conversation of what is the actual value of a kick returner. If you're one of the better ones and you can get about an average of 25 yards per return, but we're still telling you to take a knee every time, and they're kicking it into the end zone every time because they know that you can get about 25 yards per return, and maybe you can break one, and they don't want to chance it, then it just becomes a stalemate and everybody's just taking knees all the time. So so why are we investing in you? Well, we're investing in you because if we don't, then we get somebody that's trash, and they kick it to the one-yard line, and we start at the 10 every year. This is such a crazy thing. But anyways, uh, if we look at Trevor Davis, it's actually a little bit less. He only had um, it, was, it was one return on the entire season. It was Week 11 against Seattle. He returned it for 20 yards. He was injured all last year, but his, his um, average over the three years, and it's been relatively consistent, is 22.6 yards per attempt. That is a little bit less, but again, it's not really worth removing him because it's still the kind of guy that they're going to kick it through the end zone if we have Trevor Davis. So it's basically a stalemate. And with that 4.42 speed, and I don't, I don't know what Jewel, let's see if I can find out. All right, so I was able to pull up his RAS card. Dude is pretty blazing fast. He's, he's faster He's faster than Trevor Davis. So out of Bethune-Cookman, uh, Jewel Davis in 2018, 6 foot tall, 191 pounds, ran a 4.38. So dude is blazing fast. His 40-yard, 20-yard, and 10-yard split were all very, very fast. He has elite speed. Here's the interesting thing, though. As I mentioned, a punt returner also—I and I—I I don't really know how you measure this, but he's got to have sort of this kind of quickness, sideline or not sideline to sideline agility would be the way that I would put it. Right, you catch the ball, you got to be able to jump out of the way and kind of weave, right? Whereas straight line speed—that's why I said J—you know, Jamon would be not Jamon, Marquez might be a little bit better of a kick returner because he's got blazing speed. I don't know if he's necessarily super agile. He. He, meaning Jawell Davis, ran a 4-5-6 uh, short shuttle in a 7-5-2-3 cone. That is horrifically horrible agility. So let me tell you something, just, just because it's, there's a very, very slight possibility that this is what we're going for. Let me tell you what I am against as much as I'm okay with having a specialist return man. If you're going to have a specialist, he needs to be kick and punt. I'm content with Trevor Davis on kicks and punts. If Ja'Will Davis is coming here to be the kick returner who isn't super great at punt returns, I'm not okay with that because we need an additional punt returner. Meaning we're still putting somebody at risk like, uh, you know, like Jair or... We're getting somebody that's not a very good punt returner and Jwill's just here to take kick returns, which basically means to take a knee. I'm not okay giving up a fifty three man roster spot, for a kick returner. I mean if if you want to talk to me about giving up a spot for a punt returner, I might be okay with that. Because you know, we we can take a guy like Jmon and have him go out there and take kick returns. I don't really care so much about that. I'm not giving up a spot just for a kick returner. That means Jawil Davis, with his blazing fast speed, and he's got some fast, again, 4.38, that's that's crazy speed, right? He's got to be able to do kick returns and punt returns. And he, you know, he's got that speed, man. So he can break away. But I mean, come on, difference between 4.38 and 4.42? We're literally talking about fractions of a second, hundredths of a second difference over the course of 40 yards. So if... If Trevor Davis and Joel Davis take a kick from the Packers' 40-yard line and have to run 60 yards to the end zone, they would cross that line maybe, what, .05 seconds difference between the two? And, and And really, to be completely honest, Trevor Davis, if we start talking about obstacles in the way, could get there faster if he has better agility. Like, if you put up an obstacle course instead of just straight-line speed. Straight-line speed, Joel Davis technically should be able to beat Trevor Davis by, again, fractions of a second. However, put a couple obstacles, they got to you know shift from side to side to get around stuff. Trevor Davis probably dominates Joel Davis because Joel Davis, again, terrible agility, meaning he is just a straight-line speed guy, meaning, first of all, he's just a kick returner, and even that, he's probably not very good. If you remember Jeff Janis taking kick returns, he was kind of terrible at that. Like, every once in a while, I was like, oh, man, he could really break it. But every time there was somebody in his way, and it's like, okay, move to the side a little, he would he would just plow into the guy. It's like, how are you so bad at this? Because he didn't have that lateral ability, lateral agility. You know, juke a little bit, right? Move out of the way! So, anyways, let's really quickly look at um, the punt return ability of Mr. Jewel Davis. I should get an award, by the way. little humble brag here. I have talked about Jewel Davis for about 25 minutes. Somebody get this man an award, and by award I mean a plate of tacos. But I, listen, I'm not just stalling. I'm, I'm I, I mean this. This is important. What are we doing at at uh, at special on special teams? And I'm not. I'm. I am not i i do not know. It's kind of kind of tricky. I won't run through why because I'm sure you get it at this point. But I, again, I, at this point, it's. The reason I repeat myself sometimes is because I want to hear feedback, and you're you you you're not responding because you haven't heard me say this yet because I haven't uploaded it yet. This is where a live video would be nice. So legitimately, what do you want out of your kick and punt returner? Do you want him to be a starter? Do you want him to not be a starter, just some throwaway? Uh, what do you want? Anyways, moving on, punt return. Mr. Jewel Davis, as I said, kind of took this over over the last four games or, or so, 13, 14, 15, 16. I won't go through every week, but his longest return was 23 yards. His longest average per game was 12 yards per attempt, and that was over three returns, which is pretty impressive. 36 yards over three returns. His average, however, over four games was 7.4 yards. 12 returns, 89 yards, four fair catches. 23 yards was his longest, 7.4 average. Trevor Davis, over three seasons, 36 returns, 12.4 average. That's really high, man. Again, no matter where you think this punt is coming from, add 12.4 yards onto that on average. His longest was 65 yards. He doesn't have a touchdown to his name on punts or kick return for that. I thought he had one somewhere. Apparently not. That's a big number though, man. For reference, there were only eight guys that crossed that mark in all of 2018, and that's... You know, we're talking in one year they were able to do it. I'm talking about over three total years for Trevor Davis. He averaged that. Tariq Cohen had 12.5. Desmond King, cornerback for the Chargers, had 13.8. Dee Dee Westbrook, 14. Andre Roberts, 14. Dwayne uh, Harris, 14.1. Cyrus Jones, 14.4. Jakeem Grant, 16.3. That man's crazy. And then Corey Coleman, but that shouldn't count. I set a... 10 minimum but he only had one return so we're not even going to count that so seven seven were able to cross that mark in one year and again over the course of three years so we've got a good return man it feels weird to be like the main trevor davis supporter out there in packers universe and i'm listen i'm open to the idea of let's move on from that and i'm you know again give me that pitch i'm just saying if we're gonna have a specialist i don't know why it's not trevor davis And if we care so much about special teams because we got to get rid of our special teams coordinator because that guy was terrible and we got to do better on special teams, we have to be so much better. By the way, let's get rid of our special teams guys (laughs) and just throw out a bunch of – so we don't want Trevor Davis and we want to be – so we got to be so much better on special teams, right? But we can't use Jair, we can't use anybody valuable, and we don't want anybody that's just a special teamer. What in the world do you want? And again, I understand that maybe these are separate people that I'm talking to, but if you have all of those views at the same time, please reach out to me and explain what in the world you're talking about because I don't know what kind of fairy tale universe you're trying to create. It doesn't exist. You want better special teams results. Okay, but we can't use anybody that's good ever. Explain this to me, please. We'll take a little break, and we'll talk about something else. Thank you very much. Stay tuned. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, my, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, let's have a little conversation about Mr. Chandon Sullivan and Darius Shepard. Oh, Chandon Sullivan, cornerback from the Philadelphia Eagles, which... Saying from the Eagles is kind of nonsense. The Eagles were the ones that initially picked him up as a free agent. They decided it wasn't really panning out. But um, cornerback who had, had a little stint with the Eagles. He's only 22 years old. 5'11", 194, 4'6", speed. Nothing by way of measurables. That's super exciting. However, that's kind of a good thing. Because every time I see a guy with great measurables as an undrafted free agent... You got to look at that and say, why do you have such great measurables, but you went undrafted? It probably is because you're a terrible football player, and they're hoping that we can use these measurables and be, you know, train you to be a good football player. If you're 5'11, 194 pounds, and run a 4.6, you know, maybe you don't have the measurables, but there's something there as far as being a good football player that we can work with, and I kind of like that. So first of all, it should be noted that he does have some special teams. Um, experience not as a return man but as a you know a gunner and whatnot i don't, I don't even think he was a gunner because he hadn't didn't have a single tackle but uh kick return responsibilities kick coverage punt return punt coverage field goal block all of it he did all of it but very raw very limited guy as far as limited opportunities although he didn't do very well with his opportunities as far as the games that he played, he played a total of 89 snaps, which is kind of a lot. It was over the course of four games. He played 89 snaps: 20 in Week 10 against Dallas, 26 in, in Week 11 against New Orleans, 42 against the Giants, and then uh, one snap on special teams Week 15. So I guess we'll call it uh, we'll call it three weeks. In one of those weeks, he was actually a starter, and that was Week uh, 12 against the Giants, where he had 42 snaps. He was a starting corner which really more speaks to the lack of talent for the Eagles than anything else, but still good experience to have. In that game, he had three total tackles, three missed tackles. He was targeted four times. All four of them were caught for a total of 68 yards, 17 yards per reception, 37 yards after the catch, 29 yards was the longest, 118 was the NFL passer rating. His PFF grade was 30.2. Terrible. Coverage was really bad, as I just illustrated to you statistically. His tackling was terrible, as I illustrated by his three missed tackles. His run defense was also terrible. The one game that he had that was seen as a relative positive by PFF was Week 10 against Dallas. Um, He was not a starter, but he had 20 snaps, 11 in run defense, 9 in coverage. He wasn't targeted a single time, so 0 NFL passer rating, but he, he, he basically did nothing. Zero tackles, zero misses, zero stops, zero force fumbles, zero targets, zero receptions, blah, blah, blah. You get the point. 68.6 was his overall grade, which for all those that don't know why I keep talking about PFF, when you have no stats, what else is there to go on? Well, they watched his snaps against these, these wide receivers and gave a grade based on how good of a job he did. Now, you could just look at the stats and say he must have been locked down because he wasn't even targeted. Well, not necessarily if the quarterback just doesn't look that way or throw that way. So it's nice without having to go back and watch tape on this guy in that game and all you know I mean I, I there's not enough time in a day even if this was my full-time job I would not be going back looking at every single one of these guys every single one of their snaps etcetera etcetera That's why I rely on PFF and trust that their analysis is he did okay So overall there's nothing super exciting here uh the one thing is you know he was kind of a a decent performer in the preseason his overall grade was 71.6. This is pretty standard for most people. But there's enough there somewhere, obviously, factor in his age as well. But you take in the special teams experience. You take in the, you know, he had one good game uh, as a in the regular season. He did play as a starter, so he has that experience. He did good in the preseason. There's a lot of boxes that he checks. Um you know, across the board. And then as far as the disqualifying things, I don't think he really is disqualified. His speed is 4'6", which isn't great, but it's not like 4'7", where it's like, I don't think he's going to work out. He's 5'11", which is short, but it's not super disqualifying. 194 is light, but not disqualifying. So he's kind of inside the boundaries. Um, Overall, at best, he's fighting for a depth spot on the roster. More than likely, he's going to be looked at as a contributor on special teams. We'll see how that pans out. But I think he's still going to have to be able to contribute at some capacity um, as, a, as a defending cornerback. Not a whole lot else to go on. Uh, Georgia State Panther. His overall relative athletic score was a 6.03 uh, bullet points, good size, poor speed, elite explosion. And then his agility, he didn't have a grade because he didn't run a three-cone, but his short shuttle was terrible. So I don't think these are great measurables because I don't think explosion is a a major factor in being a cornerback. Agility, yes, he's not very good at it. Speed, yes, he's not very good at it. Size is important. He's good, not great. So, you know, I, I, I don't think anybody has super high expectations, and that's probably the right amount of expectations to have. So anyways, really quick, take our final break, and um, we'll talk about the last remaining new Green Bay Packer. And I won't do the more you know this time. I just thought that was funny, and I wanted to throw it in there because it was funny. (laughs) With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, folks. Hope you enjoyed that probably-not-commercial break. So lastly, we want to talk about Mr. Darius Shepard, undrafted free agent out of North Dakota State. There is also quite a bit of uh, hubbub. Not what I was trying to say, but I started with an H, so we'll say hubbub. About Mr. Darius Shepard. Somebody had mentioned he was the number two overall graded uh, wide receiver by PFF. I didn't see that, but I'll go ahead and believe that. I will say, however, the guy's got some pretty impressive statistics. He is, in fact, a spreadsheet guy, and I would add him to my spreadsheet if there was more information, but I don't have enough information to go ahead and do that. However, here's what I can tell you. He was graded, not, not even graded. Statistically, as far as yards per route run, which is not a grade, it's a statistic, it's a solid thing, so don't hear PFF and freak out. This is a actual numeric value. Darius Shepard was third among all draft-eligible college-wide receivers. Andy Isabella was number one, 4.15. Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri was number two, 4.14. Darius Shepard, 4.02. Now, as I mentioned several podcast episodes ago... Yards per route run seems to favor uh, slot receivers because they get more targets, right? If you're running routes and you catch a ball once every 10 times, and you get a 20-yard average, which is really high, well, it's only two yards per route run, right? You understand the math. You with me? But if you're a slot guy and you're a reception, you know, a, a possession guy where you're getting a lot of receptions, this is going to be a little bit higher. But still the expectation every time you run a route how many time or you know how many yards are you going to get every time you go out for a pass 4.02 is pretty high he was one spot ahead of Hollywood Brown two spots ahead of Paris Campbell that's pretty impressive as far as his deep receiving stats he was on the you know second page there's 30 per page so he was 37th in deep receiving yards not bad he was actually really close to Hollywood Brown and Andy Isabella again Hollywood Brown was 33, Andy Isabella was 34, and he was uh, 37. So 22 deep targets. Hollywood Brown had 24. 13 receptions. Hollywood Brown had 13. Same difference. 501 yards. Hollywood Brown had 592. Five touchdowns. Same as Hollywood Brown. Zero drops. Andy Isabella and Hollywood Brown both had two. 103.4 passer rating. Andy Isabella and Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown had 104.2. So, very similar as far as his deep receiving yards. Now, before we get excited, because my assumption is okay, so this guy's a slot guy who also can get you deep, and, and basically, as Hollywood Brown and is Andy Isabella's stats, he must be blazing fast. He's 5'10, 186, runs a 4.61. But here's the good news again, as I said, this is where it becomes sort of a positive with him as a wide receiver. 5'10", 186, 461, I don't need to tell you any more information as to why he went undrafted. Um, His speed is terrible. His size is terrible. His short shuttle and three-cone are terrible. Now, this isn't a good thing. This isn't a positive, but being undrafted is always negative. And again, you've got to take two different approaches here. Number one, you get these super athletic freaks who are are apparently terrible at football, because if they weren't, they would have been drafted in the first, second, third, fourth round, whatever. Or you get guys that are just fantastic football players. Again, this guy is right there with Hollywood Brown and Andy Isabella. Granted, South Dakota State isn't the biggest program in the world. But still, he's he's right up there with them as far as their deep receiving yards, his, his slot performance, his yards per route run. Right there with these guys, even higher than them in some category. Despite being shorter, smaller, slower, less agile there's something there and that you know as i talked about a couple episodes ago sometimes being a wide receiver is cerebral being in the right place at the right time understanding assignments understanding what the defense is running if i do this and they're doing this and i need to go here and that means if i go right here i'll be wide open right maybe he's a cerebral guy and again again we're talking about fractions of a second i know four six one is really slow but the difference between four six one and four four one is two tenths of a second. Maybe I'm reaching a little bit trying to give this guy more credit than he deserves, but again, if we're talking about adding in that intellectual element to where you're making good decisions at good times and you've got good hands, you can compensate for that two tenths of a second right similar to a safety i was I was watching. A video, and I, I, I need to do this more often to really appreciate some of the greats. But I was watching a video of Ray Lewis. Watching him play, I have no idea what his speed was. I don't know any of that stuff. But watching him play, I don't think he gets enough credit for his mental abilities on the field. There was a video, and you can go watch it on YouTube. I don't know. I was just flipping through and I saw it, and it was Ray Lewis versus Adrian Peterson. It's like a three minute video. Basically, Adrian Peterson got beat every time, it was just a Ray Lewis video. But just watch him. When that ball gets snapped, if you watch 99.9% of the time, what linebackers do is they flow. right? They're just kind of staying in an area, waiting to see where the right place is to attack. Ray Lewis didn't flow. He saw the offensive line move. He saw the play develop, and he knew what was going to happen, and he just sprinted to the right area. This guy could have ran a 4 for all I know, and he would have been the fastest linebacker on the field because if, if while everybody else is just kind of slowly biding their time, waiting to see what to do, and you've got a guy running a 4-7 full speed in the correct direction every time, he's going to get there before the 4-4 linebacker. Speed is very important. Agility is very important. All these things are very important. I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying it can be compensated for. It's why guys like Devonte Adams, who don't have blazing speed, are faster or better than guys, and can even get have more success down the field than guys like Trevor Davis at four-four-two. There's more to this game than just speed and agility. So I guess I'm saying just don't count him out. The guy's got stats. He's 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 got something. Let's just see what it is and what we can do with it. His overall relative athletic score, 2.41, 2. is not very good whatsoever. But let's give the man an opportunity and let's see what he can do. Because in college, he was kind of tearing it up. Finally, and his uh, third metric here on um, PFF, is his slot receiving. Again, he was awesome. Hollywood Brown number one, Hakeem Butler number two, Keyshawn Johnson number three, Darius Shepard is number four. Now, there's some overlap again between slot and yards per route run, but still, we're talking about several different metrics in which he's done. He's only got three metrics on this entire thing, two of which he's top five the second of which he's still decent enough but not super elite, which is his deep receiving. But still, we're talking about a short, small slot receiver with no speed who's still 37th in the same category as Hollywood Brown in his deep receiving yards. That's impressive. But as a slot receiver, he took 219 snaps from the slot, which is really high. Hollywood Brown only had 85. Uh, Nikhil Harry, 130. Um, Paris Campbell, 273, so a little bit more. But we're talking about like full-time slot receiver. 76 targets, 50 receptions, 816 yards from the slot, eight touchdowns, three drops. His passer rating was 120.3, which is very, very high. So again, do I have high expectations? No, he's got severe limitations, and these are limitations that you can't learn. These are hard limitations as opposed to, you know, which is probably why you get more guys that are undrafted free agents that are freakish athletically because you got a lot of prideful coaches saying, I can mold this guy, even though most of the time you can't. But you take a guy like this and it's like, look, I can't explain why he's good, but he is. Let's just bring him in, let him run a few routes and see what can happen, Adam Thielen style, right? He shouldn't be able to be good at stuff but he just is. He just makes it work. That's Darius Shepard. And it's pretty simplistic, right? Either his limitations are going to limit him or they're not. He's going to come here. We're going to say, here's what you're supposed to do. See if you can make it work. Take these limited tools that you got and see what you can build with it. And we'll find out. But, uh, you know, pretty pretty optimistic as far as you can be for an undrafted guy that was basically just brought on to round out your 90-man roster. But look, he—I mean, again—he did phenomenally well in college. Fantastic stats, among the best, you know, small school. But let's just let's just give him a chance. Anyways, I'm dumb, done. I'm dumb, also done rambling for the day. You folks enjoy your Tuesday or whatever day it is. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a fantastic day. Bye bye.